Bokertov, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I hope you're doing well. All of you who are watching from across the Fruited Plain and from all seven continents, glad you're here. If anybody from Ireland watching today, please let us know. Any, anybody from Maine, we haven't given up on Maine. Looking for Maine, looking for Ireland, and uh, as always, Antarctica. If your keyboard is not frozen in Antarctica, uh, please let us know. Um, got to be somebody up there living in Antarctica, Brukashem, or Norway. Norway is close to uh, the polar regions, so we'd like to have uh, you with us, Brukashem. Glad you're here. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. It's been a good week so far. It is uh, already the third day of the week. Can you believe it? This week is just flying by. We were in Parsha Shelach. And the book of Numbers, where we're learning about the episode of the spies going out, spying out the land, and uh, losing their ever-loving minds, and not realizing that God uh, is in control. And uh, as we talked to last week, though, um, in the episode of crying out for quail, we wanted meat, right? But we, God sent us quail, which is pretty much ends the argument um, out there that. Um, that poultry could be considered parv. It is not. But anyway, um, so what was the underlying issue that was going on when we wanted the quail? The underlying issue, the root of the problem, and I think that this is always helpful when we can get to the root of any particular problem. But in any case, the root of the problem was is that they wanted to really, it wasn't so much they wanted meat, they wanted to come out, we wanted to, let's put it in personal terms, we, we wanted to uh, distance ourselves from the commandments of God, from the word of God, from any of the, the boundaries of Hashem. We wanted basically uh, anarchy. We want no rules, just right, everybody doing their own thing. We have the opportunity to see anarchy at work. We've had the opportunity to see uh, socialism at work. We have examples of socialism that have happened across the globe from the turn of the 20th century. Uh, we saw how well, for instance, uh, the USSR worked out, the Soviet Union, comrade. Um, how many of you know that that didn't work out so great? Anybody out there realize that? Uh, the most recent example of communism slash socialism is Venezuela. Anybody Anybody think that Venezuela is a uh, great place to live? Um, what about uh, Cuba? Uh, how about Cuba, right? The good thing is they you can go to Cuba and you can find a 1958 uh, Chevy or whatever. Um, uh, but why can you find <laughs> why can you find a 1958 Chevy? Because uh, it's a disaster and they can't they they don't that that's the last time they had a new car was in 1958. Um, or 57 or whatever. Uh, so <clears throat> that's great. They've got classic cars, but that's because they don't have, they can't get anything else, you know? So, um, so we see how that plays out. We see how, that, how socialism plays out. We see how communism plays out. We see how now we, now we, in our, in our time, um, we see how anarchy plays out. Uh, everybody doing their own thing. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that great? Everybody just doing whatever they want. Life is good. It's fantastic. 
And so that's really what we want spiritually a lot of times. We just want spiritual anarchy. We want everybody doing their own thing. We kind of see this play out really in other ways, right? We have the Hebrew Roots, roots Movement that um, you have all these different groups. Uh, none of them are connected, and, and all of them have different cal- calendars. Um, isn't that exciting? So everybody's doing Shavuot, you know, for instance, or let's say Sukkot. That's always a, f- a favorite. Everybody's doing Sukkot like different weeks. And so in a lot of ways, if you really follow um, that crazy uh, an- anarchy uh, theology, you, you find like basically from September all the way through November, Sukkot is happening uh, uh, somewhere. It's like it's five o'clock somewhere. And that's because nobody's on the same page, literally, the calendar page. It's anarchy. Is it fun? Is it exciting to make you feel confident? No, it doesn't. It makes you feel like, what are we doing? Well, that's what they wanted. That's what we wanted in the wilderness. We wanted an anarchy. That's what the spies ultimately wanted. Um, we, the spies ultimately wanted to be anarchists. They wanted to... Uh, it's, it wasn't enough, as I said, to that they, they came back and said, you know, it's, it's really, really bad over there. Um, they've, it's, you know, they've got bunkers. They've got missile defense systems. Uh, they have big tanks. We're not going to be able to do it. It wasn't so much that. That was bad enough because that's a lack of faith in Hashem. But remember what I said at the close of the reading yesterday is what they really wanted to do was to go back to Egypt. Now, why is that? Think about that for a moment. Now, now <clears throat> they didn't want to go forward with Hashem because they didn't they didn't believe in Hashem. But why 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 couldn't they just say, you know, I'm just really, really sad. I'm scared. Um, we can't, we're not going to be able to defeat these people. You know, that's, you can have lack of faith in Hashem. But the, the, the oddity was, is they said, you know, we need to go back to Egypt. Why is that? What's the spiritual picture? What is it we're supposed to learn? And, and here's the answer. The answer is, is because there, there aren't, any other options. You're either moving forward with Hashem or you're going backwards to an old way of life. There's no, there's nothing going on in between. Because there, and the reason for that is because there, there are only two kingdoms at work in the world. So you're either operating in one kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, or you're operating in the kingdom of darkness. There's no gray kingdom. There's no in-between kingdom. There's no let-me-take-a-break kingdom. This is why Yeshua said, you're either for me or you're against me. He didn't say you can be on the sidelines watching the fight. And this is why when they decided they didn't want to go forward with a shim, this is why they their, their really only recourse was to go back to Egypt. So having said that, we can analyze now our subsequent lacking of faith, which all of us have from time to time. And God is graceful and God is merciful and he knows that we're dust and ash. He he certainly does and he realizes our lack of faith. And um, all those kinds of things. However, Having said that, and understanding God's grace and God's mercy, understanding that he knows that we're dust and ash, understanding that all of us experience moments where we lack faith, 
realizing that reality, we can also be mature enough to take a step back and analyze what it means to have a lack of faith in Hashem like the spies did. To have a lack of faith in Hashem is to say, chasve shalom, that he's not all-powerful. To have a lack of faith in Hashem is, chasve shalom, to suggest that he's not the master of the universe. To have a lack of faith in Hashem is to say, chasve shalom, that he's not sovereign. To have a lack of faith in Hashem is to suggest, God forbid, that we're not His because He takes care of His own. Now again, all of us have these moments, and so all of us have lacks of faith at, at times, and, and uh, sometimes more often than we would like to admit. Sometimes we understand this, and we realize that God is merciful and graceful, and that He's full of compassion towards us. He knows that we're dust and ash and all those kinds of things. And, and again, at the same time, we, we need to realize that having a lack of faith in God is not just, oh, you know, skipping through the woods. I just, I just didn't have faith. No, to have a lack of faith in God is to dethrone him, God forbid. Sometimes people live their whole life this way. They just... Um, uh, people that have a fear of lack, for instance, uh, we've all heard about the the hoard the hoarder mentality. People that hoard things, you know, they they have buckets of screws and buckets of bolts and buckets of whatever. You know, their whole house is a complete. It's just you know stuff stacked on top of stuff that that they don't need, they don't have a use for, but they got it because they could possibly have a use for it in some distant future. Um, or people that, that store canned goods, and they keep them, like, even after when they're out of date. What does that come from? Like, what is the root cause of that? The root, it's, it's, it's a lack of amuna. Like, they, like, at some point, you won't have something. Um, by the way, this is completely somewhat off topic, but it just it, it, it popped into my mind. Um, and we're going to get to, we are going to get to our reading in a second. Um, but... Somebody asked me recently, uh, and it was, a, it was an email, um, they said that uh, their Messianic um, pastor told them that because of the COVID thing, and everybody was storing food at the time, um, because, you know, all the grocery stores were going to run out of food, naturally. Did that, that, that didn't happen, did it? Did it happen? No, it didn't happen. Like everything else, it didn't happen. But, um... That was the, the big fear, the big panic. And so, of course, that was near uh, in, in and around Pesach. So he told everybody, because you're storing food, naturally what you're storing is chametz. So don't worry about it, just keep it. Ignore the Torah. In this case, just keep it. Ignore the Torah. Ignore the Torah in place of your fear, because that always works. We're, we just saw that. I'm sorry, is that what we're reading here? Ignore the Torah in place of your fear. Spies. Oh, yeah, that always works. Um, and so this person was asking me, like, is that okay? So my response to them was, listen, is this, your, is this the guy you follow, like he's your leader? Then you need to follow him if that's the case. And if it's not, then come over here. But, but I'm not going to 
I'm not going to comment on what he should or should have done for his community. But having said that, I will tell you that um, what's interesting about that, and this is why logic needs to play a significant role in your life. So let's suppose you wanted to hoard food because you were afraid that the grocery store was going to be running out. Um, why do you have to hoard hummets? Why couldn't you stock up on rice and beans? Why couldn't you stock up on cans of uh, tuna, tuna fish or cans of sardines or cans of uh, or jars of gefilte fish, which actually is good? Uh, you know, things like that. Isn't it interesting? Think about it for a second. What prompts us to say, oh, I have to stock up on hummets, so I, therefore I, I need, a, I need a, a pastoral slash rabbinic permission to ignore the Torah because I can't live without my hummets. I need to stock up on the, the donuts or whatever, whatever it is you're stocking up on. I mean, just think about that for a moment. You could stock up on kosher for Passover stuff. Then again, we could just trust God. That's that's novel, right? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. We say that every time we say the Birkat Amazon, right? And then we stock up. All right, uh, page 805. I know it's uncomfortable. It's, it's not you, it's me. Uh, chapter 14, uh, verse 8. Um, if Adonai desires us... Uh, he will bring us to the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey, but do not rebel against Adonai. You should not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Isn't that interesting? The enemy that you're so scared of is actually our bread. They're our food. They're our bread and butter, as we say. <laughs> their, their protection has departed from them. Adonai is with us. Do not fear them. Don't be afraid of them. Why? Because their, their protection has departed from them. And Hashem is with us. You know, this is what King David said, by the way, to, 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 the, um, uh, to the giant. You know, people don't... By the way, there's, there's a significant number of people out there, theologically, who, don't, who do not believe in, uh, you know, circumcision. Like, you, you don't have to be circumcised. Circumcision has been done away with, etc., etc., etc. But those very same people that say that, if you ask them what they think about King David, they would say, oh, he's awesome. I love the Psalms. It's in my Gideon's Bible. It's amazing. Um, King David, what a righteous soul. And yet, isn't it interesting that King David, when he faced the giant, he referred to the giant as this uncircumcised Philistine. Now just let that sink in for a moment. Everybody's out there saying, you don't have to go through circumcision. It's no longer for today. Hashem has done away with it. And yet, one of the greatest stories that just about everybody knows, if you don't know the story of even the secular person who doesn't even know anything knows about the David and Goliath story. 
And so David says about the giant, he says, God was with me with a bear, and he's with me with the lion, and he'll be with me against this uncircumcised Philistine. And so again, there's only two kingdoms in the world. There's only, you, you can either be circumcised or not circumcised. There's no half circumcision. There's no partial circumcision. There's no kind of, sort of, half-kidding circumcision. You're either circumcised or you're not. That's indicative of the reality of the two kingdoms, is it not? You're either in the kingdom or you're not. It's just really quite that simple. So if you're in the uncircumcised crowd and you have David and Goliath on the field, which jersey do you think you're going to wear? Imagine if you're on the David team and you're wearing the David jersey and you're not circumcised because you've been taught it's not for today and David looks at Goliath and says, hey, we're against you and you're going to lose, buddy, because you're uncircumcised. That's going to be awkward. I mean, it's so simple, it's really kind of silly, isn't it? Why did I bring that up? Well, it's because to be uncircumcised is to be outside of the covenant, naturally. Which means what? That Hashem is not with you. Which means what? That you don't have his protection. Which means what? That you're like the giants in the land that Caleb and Joshua were talking about. Yeah, they're giants. Yes, they've got machine guns. Yes, they have missile defense systems. Yes, they have bunkers. The whole Panzer Division is behind them. Yes, but they're uncircumcised. Isn't that interesting? That it comes down to covenant. So, it says in verso 10, la palabra, la palabra de Dios dice esto. But the entire assembly said... To pelt them with stones. And to and the glory of Adonai appeared in the tent of meeting to all the children of Israel. Adonai said to Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will they not have faith in me, despite all the signs that I performed in their midst? You know, this brings up something else. That I've heard people say, uh, more from an anti-missionary point of view. They have said, basically, that had Yeshua just been super-duper public, out in the open, uh, lightning bolts in the sky, made himself known, announced it on the loudspeaker, I am the Mashiach, that everybody would have believed. And everything would have been A-OK. -okay. But since it was kind of like uh, under the rug, under the radar, um... You know, you know who 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 makes an announcement like that and doesn't make it public. Um, but as it turns out, first of all, it wasn't under the radar. There were thousands of people, tens of thousands even, who followed him and believed in him. So it wasn't exactly just you know him and his twelve disciples running around on and, and posting stuff on Facebook. Um, number one, but number two, we had at Mount Sinai all the thunder and all the lightning. We had in Egypt ten plagues. We had the, the parting of the Red Sea. We had the manna. We had the bitter waters turned sweet. We had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. We had um, 
uh, the ark that went forward and, and the scorpions and the snakes were move, removed and the, the, the high places brought low and the low places brought, brought high and everything made, made straight and plain for us. We had all of that. I mean, it was in your face. It was, it was actually uh, every, every flat screen TV and all the tents of Israel in the desert were playing it 24-7 like cable news. And yet, we still, when it came time to send the spies out, said, we don't believe. So when somebody says to you, well, if it was just, if it was just public and obvious, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. You walked across the sea on dry ground. And you still don't believe. It says, I will smite them with the plague and annihilate them, and I shall make you a greater and more powerful nation than they. So here is um, here's Moses' opportunity. He can uh, allow the Israelites to be wiped out, and God will make the nation great again by making Moses the, uh, the, start, the, the seed, if you will. But Moses is too humble for that. He doesn't want that. He wants the people to succeed. He's not in it for his own uh, self. So it says, Moses said to Hashem, Then Egypt, from whose midst you brought up this nation, will, uh, with you, well, excuse me, with your power, will hear. Mo, what makes Moses great, ultimately, is that he's concerned about Hashem's honor, not his own. He wants Hashem to be magnified and glorified. Um, not his own. And it says, And they will say about the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, Adonai, are in the midst of this people, that you, Adonai, appeared eye to eye, and your clouds stand over them, and that in a pillar of cloud you go before them by day, and in a pillar of fire at night, yet you killed this people like a single man. Then the nations... Uh, that heard of your fame will say, because I don't know, I lack the ability to bring this people to the land that you had sworn to give them, he slaughtered them in the wilderness. So they'll, they'll end up saying, this is, um, this is your, uh, this is your fault. This is your fault. They'll say that this is you, that you, you didn't have the power, have not, did not have the power yet. To save them. It says, And now may the strength of my Lord be magnified as you have spoken, saying, Hashem slow to anger, abundant in kindness, forgiver of iniquity, and willful sins, and who cleanses, but does not cleanse completely, recall the iniquity of the, of the parents upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Forgive now the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your kindness, as you have forgiven this people from Egypt till now. Now, this, of course, is a quote that, that we, he's quoting from, from uh, Exodus chapter 34 where God showed himself, revealed himself, and the sages bring down that when Hashem revealed himself to Moses and gave him those words, you know, Hashem, Hashem, slow to anger, abundant kindness, etc., that Hashem was showing Moses a, um, a formula, if you will, for teshuva. For, for, for receiving, for, for eliciting forgiveness from Hashem, which is why when you're looking at prayer books, um, and like, for instance, the special prayer book for um, the period before Rosh Hashanah, which is called Slichos, um, and also the Vedui, and also the, um, 
the Yom Kippur Katan, you'll find that verse repeated throughout. Why? Because that is the quintessential formula whereby God showed Moses how to elicit forgiveness to Shuvah for the people of Israel, which is why Moses speaks it here to Hashem. So this is arguably the first time that Moses used this formula uh, for Hashem. So it says here, um, and Hashem said, I have forgiven because of your word. So we see the, the response of Hashem to that, that formula, if you will, is that, okay, I have forgiven. According to your word, I, I have uh, forgiven this people. So it says, but as I live and the glory of Adonai shall fill the entire world, that all the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tested me these ten times and have not heeded my voice, if they will see the land that I have sworn to give their forefathers, and all who anger me shall not see it, but my servant Caleb, because a different spirit was with him and he followed me wholeheartedly, I shall bring him to the land to which he came, and his offspring shall possess it. You know, to Joshua and Caleb, it must have been completely frustrating. Because they were the only two leaders out of the group of 12 leaders who said, hey, we can take the land. And everybody was against them. So when I read that, I was just thinking that Sometimes we can grow weary because it seems like we like the whole world is, is against us. The whole world is doesn't agree with us. And so we live in a world, particularly now, it seems to be the case now more than ever, where people just want to follow the popular uh, opinion. They want to just, it's this, um, you see it a lot in the news, called cancel culture. If you... If you disagree with the popular narrative, then your show gets canceled or you get fired or whatever the case may be. Some of, some of you experiences, I've experienced this, you know, putting on Facebook. If you put on Facebook something that contradicts the narrative of, of whatever the popular agenda is at the time, if you disagree, then uh, Facebook or Twitter will uh, censor your comments and say, well, you're not allowed to. Uh, if you disagree, if you suggest, for instance, that uh, maybe uh, vaccines aren't great, or perhaps wearing a mask is just silly, uh, we're just going to uh, we're going to we're not allowed going to allow you to talk that because it's all about groupthink these days. You have to uh, if you dis if you disagree with the popular narrative, if uh, then we're going to call you a racist. We're going to say that you're um, a xenophobic person or or whatever it, it, situation is. Can you imagine how Caleb? And Joshua felt, and yet they stood out. But but what was it about Caleb and Joshua? It says the scripture testifies they had a different spirit in them. They had a different spirit in them. What was the spirit? What was the difference of the spirit? Well, we go all the way back to what we started the conversation today talking about. The difference of the spirit was that Joshua and Caleb wanted to follow God. They wanted to. They didn't want to go back to Egypt. They wanted to be in the kingdom of of light, not the kingdom of darkness. That was really the biggest difference. That was the, the different spirit. It wasn't that they were faith giants. 
you know, there was a there was a whole theological movement. Um, I guess it's still going on, but for the last twenty years, you know, the faith movement, and even then, the focus was off because uh, our ultimate expression of faith in God is just being obedient to His Word, obedient to His will. That's really where faith comes into play. Sometimes, if you really think about it, we could think we have faith, but if we're not being obedient to God's word, then we're not, we don't really have faith at all. Like, I believe you, God. Okay, eat kosher. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, then you don't believe me. Think about that for a moment. For a lot of people, you know, we talk about giants and Goliath and missile defense systems and kind of on those kind of things, but for a lot of people, their, their giant is the inability to eat a ham sandwich. Sad, isn't it? I relate. For a while, I didn't want to not eat Cajun. For a while, my my giant was crawfish etouffee. Kind of embarrassed by that now. To think that that, um, I'm supposed to be some theological giant, uh, no pun intended, and yet my giant at the time was I didn't want to give up crawfish etouffee. I think that all of us were there at some point. Like there was something, right? Uh, but, but uh, you know, that, that Hashem has to put a new spirit in us. All right, to wrap it up here. It says, the, the Amalekite, the Canaanite, dwell in the valley. Tomorrow, turn and journey toward the wilderness in the direction of the Sea of Reeds. So Caleb and Joshua tell him, listen, we can do this. Let's move on. Uh, but the people say no. And Hashem says, you know what? You're not going to go into the land. You're all going to die in the wilderness. And this thus begins the 40 years of journey. End of our Aliyah today. There's a lot more to share. We have a lot more content. Trust me. We just run out of time. But we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow I will, Bezrat Hashem, get to some insights, some more insights, that is, from Akidat Yitzhak, from Rabbi Monk, from Gutnik Humash, and even from uh, Pituke Hotem. So with God's help, we'll do that tomorrow. So we'll look forward to seeing everybody. Then, Shalom Aleichem, have a great and amazing day.